You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Hey, welcome friends. You may be seated. Welcome to our friends on Zoom. We're so glad you're with us here today. I'm Bill White. I'm one of the co-pastors of City Church of Long Beach, and it's just a great day. Uh, uh, Typically, through the centuries, the churches have had a, a call and response on this day where one person says, Christ is risen, and the response is, he is risen indeed, and they do that three times. So let's go with the church of the ages. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Welcome. We're so glad you're with us at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. Uh, if you have a little kid here today, in on the inside, there's a nursery for zero to three. You don't have to take uh, advantage of that, but if you want to, it's out and this way. Um, and Brenna Rubio, our other fearless co-pastor, don't you, are you going to guide us? Oh, we're going to I totally know what's next, but I'm going to show respect to my co-pastor and say, what's next again? I lost my clipboard. It's out there somewhere. Yeah, if any, oh, I don't know. If any of you have found the clipboard. Oh, here we go. We're, we've got this all together. Um, you are, there you go. There you go. That. No, I'm not. That wasn't awkward at all. <laughs> awkward. <laughs> um, hey, yeah, I'm Brenna. And... We are so excited you're here today, especially your kiddos. So older kids, we're staying in service here today, and we have a little something for you. We need you to help us kick off the service. So I want to invite any of the kids, if you want to come sit up here on the steps, because I need your help with something to kick us off this morning. Come on up. Oh, this is so good. I know you guys were just on a great big egg hunt, right? Was everybody on the egg hunt? Or do other people, are you going to hunt eggs later today too? Anybody have further egg hunts? Here, guys, turn and look at me just a little bit. Yeah, this will work better if you look at me just a little bit. Did any of you see any eggs this size out there? Did anybody get an egg this size? No, you didn't? Okay. I want you to imagine something, that you are at an egg hunt, and all of a sudden, underneath a bush, you find an egg this size. What would you hope is inside of it? Somebody tell me. A bunch of eggs. Ooh, it could be stuffed with even more eggs. And what would be inside those eggs? Candy and stuff. Candy and stuff. Anybody else? What would you want to be inside the egg? Yeah stuffies you could fit like three or four maybe stuffies like small ones or a great big one tobias a 20 $20. tobias let's dream bigger how many 20 dollar bills could fit inside this egg oh my goodness one more a hundred could fit in there yeah everybody we're gonna do one more screaming out round we're gonna say one two three and scream out your answer one two three I love how Florence like preemptively like, you know, plugged her ears. She knew what was coming. That was so good. Okay. So you see this egg and you are so hopeful and you go and you grab it and you open it up and (gasps) how do we feel now? 
we feel sad and disappointed, it is empty. <sighs> it, it, maybe it was just a decoration. Maybe it was just a decoration. So our Easter story this morning is actually about a woman named Mary, Mary the Magdalene. And she is coming, I know some of you may know the story, she is coming super early in the morning because her friend Jesus has died. And because she's sad, she just wants to go be with Jesus. And she goes to the tomb where Jesus has been buried because she just wants to be with him. But she gets there, and what happens? The tomb is empty. And just like you guys would feel sad if the egg were empty, Mary's really sad. And she's confused. Give me one second. And she's scared, and she just doesn't know what's going on. But here is what happens next. She turns around, and there is a man standing there, and she doesn't know who he is at first. But she says, where is Jesus? Do you know? I really want to find him. And the man says, who is it you're looking for? Mary, don't you recognize me? It's me. And so it turned out that in that story, it was a good thing that the tomb was empty because it meant Jesus was alive. And Mary actually ran and celebrated with her friends. What do you think? Why do you think it was empty? It was a fake Easter egg. You're right. But I, I will not leave you guys empty-handed. Right next to you guys, there and there are some baskets with crafts. So before you head back to your parents, over here it is like scratching crafts, scratch off. And over here it is stickers and paper to put it on with bunnies. And so pick which craft you want to grab and take back to your parents. Thank you for helping me with my story. Start with one and then come back for another later. Yeah, you can always come back. Grab one to start and then they will be here. Parents, if your kids want to come back for another craft later, they are so welcome. So, yeah, this is the kids telling of the story, sure. But even for the adults among us, there's something here, right? Because we actually came this morning looking for something. I don't know exactly what that thing is, what brought you here. I mean, some of you, I know, and it's okay. We can name it out loud. Some of you came here to make somebody else happy. That was so kind of you. That was so kind of you. We're cool with that, just so you know. We can be totally honest with that. But some of you came here wanting a little something more. Or maybe there's even just a small question in your mind thinking, who, who is it? What Jesus is it that I need today. And that's, I think, what we're going to be exploring a bit more. So our friend Ming Lu is going to come up and read scripture for us this morning. If you would welcome Ming. <clears throat> and for anybody who would like to, if you want to stand, you can stand with your body or stand in spirit uh, in honor of the reading of God's word this Easter morning. Good morning. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but, he did not real but she did not realize that it was Jesus. 
He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. <laughs> Jesus said to her, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. John 20, 10 to 18. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks, Ming. Thank you, Ming. You may be seated. So a, a few years ago, um, uh, a guy shows up at City Church, and he, he tells me the story. He works at a hospital somewhere up in L.A., and he'd been doing a lot of praying. He'd been going into the, the chapel, and uh, he told me that uh, he was, at the same time, he's kind of started this spiritual rebirth. He was also having an affair, and... Uh, and so he said to me, he said, you know, the, the chapel at the, at the hospital has this painting of Jesus. And he said, Jesus looks really angry in that painting every time I go in there. I said, huh. So a few weeks later, he comes back and he tells me, he says, um, this is a true story. Um, he says, you know, I, was, uh, I, I finally told my wife about the affair. And it was, it was super ugly. Things are super messy right now. He said, but the most interesting thing happened. You know, I went back into the, to the chapel the day after I told her. And I'm just on my lunch break. I'm just praying. Mm -hmm. And I look up at this painting of Jesus. And now Jesus, is, his eyes are like full of compassion. I'm like, wow. He says, so then, like a few weeks later, he comes back, another conversation. And he says, you know, um, I'm trying to decide whether to stay in the, in the marriage or not. You know, think it's hard, right? And he said, so I, I went into the, the chapel at the, at, at the hospital, and when I looked at Jesus, he looked really curious. Mm. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I just, it's just funny, right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure they came in and repainted Jesus while you were out. You know, I think, I Let's just admit when we show up, um, we recast Jesus in a lot of different ways. I'm not sure Jesus always has a problem with that. I, God, as you, as you read the scriptures, is remarkably gracious, right? And yet there is a sense in which, um, even, even though as we do show up, and kind of change Jesus a little bit. Jesus still is who he is. And he's saying, hey, I want you to know me. And you can know me according to your need, but also know me for my heart and for who I really am. And so I grew up, I was um, at the 6 a.m. service this morning. Brenna asked this great question. We broke into groups. We're not going to do that here. We were at the beach. Because she asked this question about like, um, who, what, what would you say? It was like, what Jesus are you looking for? And what Jesus are you finding? Yeah. 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 Are you going to tell my story? No, I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Story. You tell your own like, story. Tell okay. my story. You tell your story. Um, <laughs> so this has been well rehearsed. Um, <laughs> so I realized I'm sitting there. I'm like, 
the Jesus I always wanted growing up was this very personal Jesus. Like my private Jesus for my private sin, my private issues. And I needed a savior from that. Mm. And Jesus is really gracious. And he is our savior for that. But the Jesus I'm finding, which is her second question, Again, I'm just talking like two random strangers on a beach this morning. I'm like, I'm like, the stranger I'm finding is he's actually a lot bigger than that. He's actually changing the whole world. And so it made me think about this, this passage, which was on my clipboard, but now it's on my phone. Thank God for backups. Uh, this is by a guy named Esau McCauley, who wrote a, a book called Reading While Black. He's a black theologian, and he reflects on how the white church has often co-opted Jesus to make Jesus look like us, like me. And he says, the meek and mild Jesus of popular imagination is the creation of the comfortable middle class. The oppressed know Jesus as the rider upon the white horse whose robe is dipped in the blood of his enemies. And it's a sense of which, no, Jesus actually cares about injustice. He's flipping tables. He's, he's going to overturn the, the systems in our world that oppress and that take advantage of others. Bill, I have to ask you a question. This is also spontaneous. Because then we had a baptism at the beach. We did. And I heard you I do know. a little something different during the it. baptism. There was what a baptism. It was cold. So I think I might have been like in shock or something. But we always ask the question, like, is Jesus? So Liz, Liz, you're here. Wave your hand, Liz. Liz got baptized this morning. Yeah, she got baptized. So fun. And so we always ask this question. Like we, first question is like, hey, you know you're made in God's image and you're good. Yes. And do you know that you're broken and you need a savior? And the answer is yes. But today I was like, I was so struck by this moment. I was like, hey, do you recognize that you need a savior and that the world needs a savior and that you unwittingly so many times and sometimes intentionally participate in systems of injustice that do things wrong? Like your sin is not just like, oh, I said a bad thing, right? And, and those are wrong things, but it's also I participate in systems that do injustice. And, and she's like, yeah, that's me, right? And then she's like, do you have a savior? And yes, his name is Jesus, like boom. And we dunked her. It was cold, <laughs> but it, it was just, it was, it's this moment. And I think, so Jesus is showing up to me in some new ways, and, and I hope for all of us. Hmm. Love that. You know, our story this morning about Mary the Magdalene, Jesus was showing up for her in a new way. Now, she already knew Jesus, and she knew him powerfully. You know, so often we think of Jesus and his, if you have any kind of churchy background, maybe a little bit of Sunday school as a kid, how many disciples does Jesus have? Twelve. Yes, I heard the kids in the front, voices all over the room. Jesus has twelve disciples, and are they girls or boys? There, yeah, yeah, right? Those are the twelve disciples that we always talk about. But in actuality, Mary the Magdalene was also a key, really influential disciple of Jesus. In fact, there are at least three women, and really there are probably more, but three women uh, who are named pretty frequently as being those who travel with Jesus and help Jesus, accompany Jesus, fund Jesus. They're the ones with the money. It's Mary the Magdalene, Susanna, 
and Joanna, um, yes, are the, the, the women who are traveling with Jesus, and they're in this, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We're interrupting each other a lot. No, I know. Oh, this is but, so good. Like the other disciples, like these three get mentioned way more than nine of the disciples. Isn't I mean, it so, Peter, right? Peter, Peter, James, and John, they get a lot of airtime. But these three are like, they're huge. They're huge. Yeah, huge. So you have Mary the Magdalene, and this is a woman who, whose life has been radically changed by Jesus already. Because when we first meet her, what we find out about her is that she is a woman whom Jesus has set free from evil spirits. And we don't know exactly what that means. Was it truly a spiritual bondage? Is it a way that now we might look and say, well, there was a physical ailment or there was a mental illness that she needed to be set freed from. But, but Jesus had healed her in a substantial way and, and had actually given her a place of honor in this community. She's, she's a leader. She loves him. She knows him. And so she comes that morning and it makes sense that she is looking for a particular Jesus, in this case, her friend Jesus who has died. And the filter that she is bringing to this encounter is one of sadness, maybe of defeat. What is going to become of her? What's gonna become of her community now that her friend has died? Of course she can't see the full Jesus, the resurrected Jesus at first. Something has to happen. There has to be a moment in which the veil is lifted. And what we see in the story, what we see in the text, is that moment is when Jesus calls her name. When that relationship is called out. When she just has, a, it's the voice of her friend, the voice of one who loves her, calling and, and still saying, you're still mine and I'm still yours. Mary. I'm right here. The Reverend Daniel Schroyer writes this, what would it look like for us to see Jesus as he is? Not merely as we want him to be, or as we need him to be, but in the fullness of who he is, the fullness of his glory, fully human, as Mary had already known him, and fully God. What would it mean for us to love him with our whole hearts, and live for him out of that wholeheartedness. She, Mary, had loved all of him because through him she experienced a love that embraced all of her. This is the wholeness that heals the world and brings us into eternal life. So my 6 a.m. beach sunrise story, um, you know, Bill and I were traveling over there together this morning so that my family could sleep in just a little bit later at least. And, uh, you know, as we were just, I was reflecting, especially a little bit, on just like, where am I at this morning? Does it feel like Easter to me at 520 in the morning? Right? As a professional Christian, am I feeling all Eastery and excited and woo, joy? Who's Jesus to me this morning? How connected am I to this? And I mean, those are just honest questions. What Jesus, I'm going to go ask a bunch of people, what Jesus am I looking for this morning? Who is Jesus to me right now? And at 520, I was like, I'm not sure. Let's show up. Let's just show up and see, which I think sometimes is just how we do the spiritual life. Let's just show up and see. So we did ask this question. 
what Jesus are you looking for? What Jesus are you finding? And I was just circling a little to see if there's anybody not talking. And, and I did. I saw someone standing off to the side by herself. And so I went up to introduce myself. And it turned out she had just arrived in Long Beach yesterday. And, you know, from the East Coast. And she just figured there had to be a beach sunrise service somewhere. <laughs> so literally, she just like, she was, she was staying with her kids. And she just went walking the beach and she stumbled across us. And she wanted to answer that question. She knew I was one of the pastors. I'd been up front. She wanted to tell me her answer. She said, I want a Jesus who will love and care for my kids. Because my adult kids are here, and they're back there. And, you know, one of them is, I'm staying with her and her boyfriend. And one of them is my child who used to be my son and is now my daughter. And I said, really? And you could just see she was a little nervous because, again, she just stumbled on us at the beach. And we hadn't shown her how weird we were yet. She hadn't seen my hat. She hadn't seen Bill's hat, apparently. And I said, hey, do you see my kids over there? And she said, yeah. And I was like, two of them are trans. Can I give you a hug as a fellow parent of delightful, wonderful trans kids who Jesus just desperately loves? She said, yes. And so I gave her a hug. And then later in the conversation, I showed her my, my bear tattoo with the rainbow. And we just talked about how desperately and wildly God loved her kids. I said, did you know that you were at a church this morning with, you know, a pastor who has two trans kids? She said, no. And she was, and it was just this delightful moment of me saying, this is the Jesus I follow who brings this woman to the random spot on the beach with a random congregation of people who all love Jesus and lots of us are queer and trans. And it was awesome. It was just a, it was just a beautiful little moment. And for those of you who wonder why we talk about LGBTQ stuff all the time, because God does this stuff, because it just happened this morning on the beach. Um, but it was, that made my Easter. Because to me, that was Jesus showing up in this sweet, honestly, still kind of confused mother. But she was there, and she was praying for her kids, and it was, it was beautiful. I, I do just want to show you a piece of art really quickly, uh, as we've been enjoying so much wonderful artwork from our friends at Sanctified Art. This is uh, going to be Rabuni uh, by Reverend Denise Anderson. And it's a picture of Mary, probably in that moment, right? She's turned around and, and Jesus has somebody said, Mary, I'm the one you're looking for. And the artist, Denise Anderson, says, Here I attempt to convey the grief, befuddlement, and ultimate realization that I imagine Mary experienced in this encounter. Moreover, Jesus' address to her comes from a deeply intimate place and is the only thing powerful enough to pierce through her grief. Jesus' love for you is that intimate. And so the question that I think we're going to hear some answers from some friends in a moment, but it's a question for all of us. What Jesus have you been looking for? What Jesus are you finding? And what might you need to lift that veil?
So good. Um, I'd like to invite up our friends, Gabe and Nicole Mucktrow, who are out on our patio. You uh, welcome them. Gabe is the hot dog. I don't need that. Gabe is the hot dog guy. Yeah, he, we didn't know that Gabe was going to show up with hot dogs this morning, but he did. It was did. so great. Right, there you go. And bunny ears. I love it. Oh, and the bunny ear. That's there. Here, you take that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, you step, step forward into the light. Yes. Uh, so this is Nicole Mockertrow, her husband Gabe, and they've been around City Church for a while. And so we like to just interview people like normal City Church people about their lives and, and their spiritual journeys. And so tell us a little bit about you. Like, well, how long have you been around City Church and why did you stay? <clears throat> Uh, we started coming in around March of 2019, so a year before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, we came because we wanted to find a church that was uh, inclusive of all people. And I stumbled upon Bill's blog uh, that he had written, I don't know, a couple of, a year know. before, maybe, I don't know. But anyways, we arrived and then we see this, uh, strange man in the front <laughs> who was seemed so excited to see us and I was like I don't know what's happening right now uh, and uh, my children say I'm pathologically extroverted yes <laughs> I would say that that's accurate <laughs> at this time we had been church hopping for about oh, okay. a year a year and some change yes. so all pun intended I we would say with those ears <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh all right all right all right Losing control of this interview yeah. early. <laughs> Anyways, that was that okay. was the main way we stated, okay. and we got your Facebook message asking us to to lunch or coffee. There you go. Mm -hmm. See, I love it, lunch and coffee. Um, so tell us a little bit. So you grew up in church. Like, what was it like meeting Jesus, and how has Jesus shifted over? over the years and kind of what, what's the best part of Jesus and how, and how has that changed? I, so like Bill said, I grew up in the church uh, since I was a kid. I was in missionettes since I was like six years old and I was in youth group. I, once I was kind of a, an older teen in youth group, I was roped into leading youth group. That's where I met Gabriel, and we were in like an arts ministry together where we did plays, and he was in charge, and that was chaotic, but it was good. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, so I, I spent a lot of my time my as uh, in the church. So and what was God like there for you though? It it was God then um, was more in a box. Uh, I am an Enneagram one, and it was actually a very easy box for me to place oh, because you God could, in. You could be like, do the right things. For oh, me. yes. It, it was uh, very black and white, and that was very easy for me. So um, I just was able to follow rules way better than my sister and my cousin were able to do. <laughs> Makes you a good Christian. <laughs> and... Yeah, I, I almost <laughs> wore that like a badge of honor in terms of how well I could follow rules. I'm and, sure they appreciated that. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's some trauma there. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so, so you're like the good Christian girl. So then that shifts over time, right? You start looking for a new church. I mean, you've been around City Church for a while. How, is, how has Jesus shifted for you? Like, what's the best part of Jesus now, would you say? Like, 
kind of coming out of that box, I assume. Yeah, I, I think as I started to get older and go into college a little bit more um, and dealing with my own mental health uh, issues and disabilities, I think that really helped me see other communities better. Uh, and it opened my heart to people that I wasn't open to meeting when I was younger. So um, I just became more curious and the people who loved me were the people who I was told to stay away from. So interesting. But um, I think because of that, it, it transitioned to a point in anger when I came back from college and and I Gabriel will be the first to say that I'm way angrier than he is in this uh, in this sense um, and so I spent a lot of time trying to read books that um, kind of were maybe too advanced at the time for me because I was so set in um, in knowing and in there not being any ambiguity with God and so that sort of derailed me and then it put us on like a two-year hiatus from church until at one point i think we were ready to go back to, to church um and my heart was different at that wow. point and and the jesus that you're finding now like what's what's yeah. he like the the jesus that i find now is loving inclusive and curious and that's the kind of person that I try to be now too. Thank you. That was beautiful. Uh, Gabe, <laughs> you are such a goof. Um, so tell us a little bit about you, like your spiritual background and, and then how Jesus has changed over the ages for you. So spiritual background, I was, uh, I grew up in the church. Uh, my godmother sent me to church camp every, every summer and winter, or summer camp and winter camp. Um, I was always taught that the person on stage knows what they're talking about, so you should listen to them. Which, is there a problem with that? <laughs> which is, which is very Hello. dangerous. Um, yeah, so it was kind of like the blind faith, you know, like, uh, you know, whatever they say must be true. So it's like, okay. And then when you question, that's you questioning your faith. Uh Oh, you should be very careful with that. That's not of God. That's of the devil. And it's just like, uh, I don't know how to feel about this because I want to be a good Christian guy, but I also want to be true to myself. And those conflict with what the person's telling me that I'm supposed to feel. So, um, so I, unlike Nicole, I was, okay with being not the good Christian boy for a long time, but also loving and serving God. Um, when I was in high school, I had long hair, piercings all in my face, chains, were all black all the time. Um, and, and, and yeah, and one of my chains was a Jesus loves you uh, lanyard. So it just, I wanted to go against the grain as hard as possible but still show that, you know, Jesus can be in that. And, and then what shifted? Like, how did that change your, your image of like, God is always the one on stage telling you what to do? So with that, I wanted to uh, 
be a part of the church. I always, uh, I like the stage. I like to be on stage. I, I, I was a performer or everything. Um, and so I thought like, oh, it, you know, the most ideal Christian thing to do is become a pastor. And, but I don't want to be a pastor. What's the next thing? Oh, there's the band, there's, you know, performance. So let me get involved in these. Um, and, and I have a service uh, heart. I, I like to serve. That's my love language. Cook hot dogs, stuff like Cook that. Cook hot dogs, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, so I, uh, I, I found myself getting more involved in church as much as possible because it was a good, um, healthy community. Um, and then uh, as I got to know what it's like to be on stage, there's a lot involved about this stage being this stage. This stage doesn't happen without the tech team, the band showing up, the openers unlocking the doors. And most of that happens before the pastor gets there. So I was starting to get very involved in seeing all these people show up and being the hands and feet of God. And then the pastor, you know, and, and I'm not going to talk bad about uh, all pastors. I'm not going to paint with a single brush, but there are some pastors who shouldn't be in that role who maybe just acquired the role because of they inherited the role or they thought that that's the good Christian thing to do. And so they took it on even though they shouldn't have. Um, so yeah, so my, my view of... So you had a few bumps. Yeah, the, oh, guessing. literally and figuratively, yes. There was some clashing on the stage. But yeah, it was, um, it, it was a rocky road. Ice cream. Uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> that's how my brain works. So, so, but how did, so how did, tell me, how did, so, I, so bumps, I, you told me earlier, like screaming at each other, you and the pastor between services? Yeah, we had a, a situation where uh, I had an opinion and he had a different one, and I was the one doing the work, so he wanted it set up a certain way or whatever, and it was like, then you do it, you know, kind of situation, but it, it was a screaming match, and then afterwards... Um, all the other volunteers, after the pastor had left, everybody's like, hey, man, you, good thing you told him, man. Like, everybody <laughs> wanted to say it, but nobody would say it. So it was just like, because pastors speak for God. Yeah, yeah, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so that's shift. So you have all these bumps, right? You were super churchy, take a couple years off. You come back, like, where do you meet Jesus now? Like, who is Jesus like for you these days? So Jesus has, um, from that, that time and leaving the church, um, uh, just staying away and then participating to where I can just view somebody on the stage and no longer be involved in that. Um, it made me doubt everybody on the stage mm. because they weren't l walking the walk. They were just talking the talk. Um, so I started to kind of, and I question everything. I mean, I, I doubt everybody, you know, um, but I started to question that a lot until I can find someone who actually can walk the walk and talk the talk. And I mean, we went to several churches where I was like, sure, they say one thing, but look around, look at the church. It says another thing, like nobody's depicting what we're looking for. And so I actually had a conversation with Nicole because it was like, okay, what are we looking for? What, what is the church that we need? And I said to her, uh, I want to sit in a pew. This is after several pews 
I want to sit in, in, I don't care where it is, I want to sit in a chair, look to my left and see a queer couple and look to my right and see uh, a minority couple. And I want, I want there to be diversity. I want there to be God, you know, because if God is love, then why are there so many people excluded? So that's kind of where God was developing into is something much bigger than that little box she was talking about. Gabe and Nicole, thank you. Appreciate you guys. <clears throat> you guys are awesome. Thanks, Nicole. It's always so amazing to hear your stories. And I know you were probably connecting with it in different ways and thinking, yes, that experience. And no, mine was a little different there. But you all have stories. Who has represented God to you so far? Your sense of like, oh, this is the closest picture I've had so far. Or someone has told me, this is what Jesus is like. And how does that match with the Jesus that you found in Scripture? With the Jesus that you've experienced in your heart, with the Jesus that you're just longing for. Who is the Jesus that you're seeking today? Who is the Jesus who actually is inviting you, inviting all of us to turn around, calling our names, willing to be found? It's so good to be here and asking those questions, exploring them together today. Our friend and leader, Rebecca Martinek-Williams, is going to come up and lead us in prayer.